Distributive shock. Distributive shock, also known as vasodilatory shock, is one of the four broad classifications of disorders that cause inadequate tissue perfusion. Systemic vasodilation leads to a decreased blood flow to the brain, heart, and kidneys, causing damage to vital organs. Distributive shock also leads to leakage of fluid from capillaries into the surrounding tissues, further complicating the clinical picture. Due to the complexities of this, of this disease, the causes and treatments for distributive shock are varied. Etiology. The most common causes of distributive shock in the emergency department are sepsis and anaphylaxis. In cases of trauma, the neurogenic shock should also be considered on a differential diagnosis. Other less common causes of distributive shock include adrenal insufficiency and capillary leak syndrome. Drug overdose and toxicity should always be considered, particularly potent vasodilators such as calcium channel blockers and hydrazoline. Distributive shock can, as a result of sepsis, occurs due to dysregulated immune response to infection that leads to systemic cytokine release and resultant vasodilation and fluid leak from capillaries. These inflammatory cytokines can also cause some cardiac dysfunction called septic cardiomyopathy, which can contribute to the shock state. A common cause of systemic inflammatory response syndrome due to non-infectious diseases such as pancreatitis and burns. In anaphylaxis, the patient typically has a history of previous exposure to an antigen, though this is not required with resulting IgE formation to that antigen. These IgE molecules then attach to the surface of a mast cell on the tissues of the basophils in the blood. Consequent exposure to the same antigen results in the IgE-mediated release of the histamine from mast cells and basophils leading to systemic vasodilation and capillary fluid leak. Toxic shock syndrome should be considered in distributive shock. This disease is, called, is caused by Staphylococcus aureus and a group of Staphylococci exotoxins that stimulate systemic cytokine, re cytokine release with resulting vasodilation and capillary leak. Historically, this is associated with both vaginal and nasal tampon use. Neurogenic shock classically occurs in cases of trauma involving the cervical spinal cord. The sympathetic nervous system is damaged resulting in a decreased adrenergic input to the blood vessels and heart, causing vasodilation with resultant hypotension and paradoxical bradycardia. The distributive shock from adrenal insufficiency occurs due to decreased alpha-1 receptor expression on arterioles secondary to cortisol delivery, which results in vasodilation. This is seen in patients on chronic steroids that are stopped suddenly. Capillary leak syndrome, while rare, should be considered in the edematous patient with distributive shock. It occurs due to low blood albumin. Decrease on contact pressure leads to fluid loss from the blood into the interstitial spaces. Epidemiology. Septic shock is the most common cause of distributive shock seen in the emergency department. The number of patients admitted with severe sepsis now approaches 1 million per year with mortality rates exceeding, extending to 50%. It's crucial to note that nearly 50% of septic patients that present with some degree of end organ damage will have a cryptic shock, meaning they have inadequate tissue perfusion, despite a normal blood pressure reading. And anaphylaxis, likely the second leading etiology of distributive shock, can occur at any age regardless of prior history. Nut allergy and history of asthma have been identified as independent predictors of mortality in patients with anaphylaxis, and great care should be taken when monitoring this subset of patients. Pathophysiology. In most cases, inflammatory mediators play a major role in the development of distributive shock. 
Inflammatory cytokines released in both sepsis and toxic shock syndrome induce systemic vasodilation and capillary leak as well as cardiomyopathy. The systemic release of histamine and anaphylaxis results in similar effects. Interactions between catecholamines and adrenergic receptors in the blood vessels are crucial to other causes of distributive shock. Both norepinephrine and epinephrine stimulate alpha-1 receptors on arterioles to cause vasoconstriction and regulate blood pressure. In the case of neurogenic shock, the sympathetic nervous system is compromised, leading to reduced catecholamine delivery to those receptors. Cortisol is a key regulator of the expression of alpha-1 receptors on, arteri on arteriolar surfaces, but this becomes compromised in patients with adrenal insufficiency. In effect, the factors leading to vasodilation and shock are multimodal and complex. The, this necessitates a careful history and physical examination to elucidate the underlying cause and a multi-system approach to the patient. History and physical. If possible, a careful and directed history should be taken directly from the patient. Once, the, once this is not possible, uh, and information should be collected from emergency management service, family members, or other witnesses of the inciting events. Symptoms of infection like shortness of breath, cough, fever, chills, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, and, uh, and dysuria, as well as immunocompromised status and recent hospitalization should be noted as this information may point, point to sepsis. Additionally, under, identifying known allergies and a history of anaphylaxis as well as possible. Exposure to known allergies can aid in the identification of the causes of patient's presentation. Review the patient's medications, particularly steroids and antihypertensives, and elicit drug use to determine if overdose or intoxication could be contributing to the, to the clinical picture. While the physical exam is unreliable in determining the source of shock, some findings can be suggestive of underlying etiology. Warm extremities can point to vasodilation as the cause of shock. A careful skin exam should be completed to identify a cutaneous source of infection such as cellulitis, ulcers, and abscesses. Urticaria strongly suggests anaphylaxis. Always consider adrenal insufficiency in a patient with hypotension, no signs of an infection, and, and showing resistance to usual methods of resuscitation. The physical exam will reveal altered mental status, tachycardia and tachypnea, hypotension, warm extremities and bounding pulses in early shock, hypo and hyperthermia, decreased urine output, low oxygen saturation. In undifferentiated patients that present to the emergency department with shock, the exact etiology is often unclear. As always, the evaluation should begin with a primary survey evaluating the airway, breathing, and circulation, as well as establishing adequate intravenous access and hemodynamic monitoring. The patient should be fully exposed, and a heart rapid head-to-toe examina examination should be performed, while definitive airway management is needed in, in many of these patients. Effort should be made to optimize hemodynamics before intubation to avoid precipitating cardiac arrest. ECG should be obtained rapidly to identify arrhythmias and isch or ischemia, which can mimic the clinical picture of distributive shock. Obtain a portable x-ray to determine pneumonia, pulmonary edema, or pneumothorax. Bedside ultrasound and fluid status and helps identify pericardial tamponade, pulmonary edema, pneumothorax, or occult intra-abdominal hemorrhage. Collect a full spectrum of labs, including lactate, blood and urine, cultures, blood gas, and a pregnancy test in females of reproductive age. Treatment and management. 
Regardless of the type of shock, the majority of patients will tolerate and benefit from an initial fluid bolus of 250 to 500 cc's. Patients with distributive shock are significantly more likely to require vasopressor support. The ultimate goal is to achieve adequate tissue perfusion using fluid resuscitation and vasopressors. For cases of anaphylactic shock, epinephrine is the pressure of choice as it offers alpha-1 and beta-1 stimulation similar to norepinephrine but also provides beta-2 stimulation which simulates bronchodilation and stabilization of mast cells and basophils. Adjunct interventions will include both H1 and H2 antihistamines, steroids, albuterol, fluids, and potentially glucagon for those using beta blockers. The shock that is unresponsive to both fluids and vasopressors may indicate adrenal insufficiency. In such cases, steroids can be given to increase uh, arteriolar expression of alpha-1 receptors. Hydrocortisone 100 milligrams is the typical treatment. In cases where vasopressor drips are not immediately available and the patient has critically low perfusion presser, pressure, particularly mean arterial pressure less than 50 millimeters of mercury, the critical perfusion pressure of the brain, push-dose vasopressors can be utilized. Epinephrine and phenylephrine are common agents of choice for this purpose. Soon after resuscitation, consider a diet. Some patients may require tube feedings and others may require parenteral feeding. Differential diagnosis. Anaphylaxis, carbon monoxide poisoning, adverse drug reaction, neurogenic shock, toxic shock syndrome, cyanide, cardiogenic shock, hemorrhagic shock, tamponade. Prognosis. The mortality from distributive shock varies on the cause and can range between 20 to 80%. Early recognition is the key to improved survival. Higher mortality rates are linked to positive blood cultures, advanced age, elevated serum lactate or failure to clear lactate when labs are repeated, infection due to pseudomonas aeruginosa, alcohol use, immunocompromised state, poor functional status prior to the event.